0: Greetings. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend with us, Dick Foth, on another session of back Channel with Foth. And then we're going to jump into our interview with Tony Newhoff before you split. Dick's so glad to have you back on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Aaron. It's great to see your smiling face. I know that all those other people can't see it, but I can see it. And I'm <laughs> here to give testimony to the fact that it's a wonderful smile.
0: Thank you very, very much. Very, very much. So, Dick, i got two questions for you today. Um, First question is, does being in ministry make marriage
1: easier or harder? Short answer to that, Aaron, is yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is easier because someone is there to share the mission. It isn't like... A vocational ministry, whether it's what we call missions or international work, so forth. It isn't like carpentry or architecture or teaching philosophy. It may involve some of those things in whatever location, but but it makes it easier when you have someone to to walk with you. It's harder, my experience, because certain callings are mission and service callings where response is a big part. Hmm. So, if you're a doctor or a nurse or a firefighter or you're in the utility services for a county uh, or you're working with marginalized groups or in, in you know, addictions and whatever. Um, the fact is a big piece of what you're about is not just initiating, but responding. And the responding part is not convenient. Uh, years ago, some some would know the name Francis Schaefer. Back in the seventies, uh, he and his wife Edith came to the little college where we were. And uh, sitting in my office, Ruth and I were talking to Edith Schaefer. I think they had five children, and uh, and Ruth asked the question, "How do you how do you care for five children when you're writing books and you're with your husband?" and And her response was, "When it is inconvenient, and wow. it's the it's the inconvenience side." Of ministry and marriage that oftentimes um is the is the tension point isn't it yeah. i mean that's that's the place yeah wow 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 wow, wow,
0: so second question for you along the lines is I'm getting ready to get married soon and i'm already involved in full time ministry. What is one or two things that you think i should should consider as I begin the early days of married life? and continue in ministry?
1: So, <clears throat> I don't know if this is a man or a woman asking the question, but here's my response to it. Does your spouse-to-be have any exposure in their mm-hmm. past to the life of what we call a minister?
0: Yeah.
1: Whether it's a missionary or a pastor or a sure. person, whatever. Do they have any exposure to that? Secondly, does that person... Uh, have a sense for the, the power of calling. Hmm. Again, it, um, I know a lot of people who are excellent at their jobs and careers, but they might not consider it a calling. Yeah. But when we're talking about missions work, yeah. um, we're talking about calling. And, it, you know, if if you were to ask my wife, Ruth, are you called to the ministry? I think I think she would say, um, "I'm called to Dick." Wow! And it isn't that she's hasn't been up to her eyeballs in what we call ministry, but uh, I asked her this question before we got married. I said, "Now, if you marry me, you have to be willing to go to India, because I I was thinking my parents are missionary. We're going to go back to India." And she she was infatuated enough. I guess she said, "Yes, I'll I'll do that." <laughs> so our first our first trip to India. When we got back from a trip to India, when we were in the Illinois, uh, pastoring University Church. Uh, when we got back from the trip, she said, "Well, I can check that off my list." <laughs> that, <laughs> see, I, I needed to be better with my questions. Well, so um, and and if if a spouse, especially for the wife, the greatest challenge for wives often, if it's pastoral work or other kinds of mission work, is perceived expectations. Hmm. You know, I don't know how you get to this ahead of time, because you can tell people, you know, this is how you need to think about these things. But perceived expectations, both by the husband. And by congregants or by the team you work with. And finally, one needs to understand that marriage is not over against ministry. I get asked this uh, uh, hundreds of times over the years. Hmm. How do you handle the tension between marriage and ministry? It took me years. You know, hmm. Ruth and I will be 60 years next summer. We've been married. And it took me years. I'm a slow learner to figure out that that marriage is part, it's the front line of ministry that Hmm. I need to, I need to get that right along the way. And sometimes it's terribly hard because the pressures from those external places are so strong and the calling is strong, but we need to understand that marriage is not over against ministry, but it's the first and most profound expression of it. Hmm. That's good.
0: That's good. Dick, appreciate your, uh, your Twitter quotes, and uh, you give you give them to us every every time. So uh, oh, yeah. appreciate your your insight and your wisdom, and uh, just specifically on the subject of marriage. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Tony Newhoff on her book before you split. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a new friend of the podcast with us, Tony Newhoff. Tony, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invite.
0: It's an honor to have you with us today. Tony, will you take just a few minutes to just share a little bit about yourself, um, things you would like for the audience to know before we jump into some of the questions?
2: Oh, sure. Uh, well, I'm uh, married to my husband, Carrie. Uh, we've been married for almost 33 years. At this point, uh, we have two sons. Um, they are 27 and 31, uh, living independently. One of them is currently across the country. I'm in Canada. So he's, we're, we're in central, we're in Ontario. Um, but he's on the West coast in, in the mountains, enjoying Revelstoke for anyone who might know that part of the world. Um, awesome skiing there. And my other uh, son, my younger son is living close to Toronto. So we see him more frequently and, uh, I've, um, I, I've spent many of our married years, um, pastoring or being in the, in the post pastoring role. So my husband, Carrie is, uh, a pastor Um, and now has handed the reins of senior pastor over to his successor. Um, But we founded a church here in Ontario and grew it. And so um, I've, I know what it's like to be a pastor's wife. Um, Along with that, we met in law school. So over the years um, I practiced as a lawyer and I was a pharmacist before I came to be a lawyer. So I've worked in hospital settings um, to uh help with legal affairs, and also did some work in in quality assurance for pharmacy sure. and um and Carrie and I went through a long, rough season in our marriage, hmm. uh, which led me to be a bit more vocal about about that part yeah. of our life yeah. um, with the hope that we could share some of the solutions that helped us make it through those rough years,
0: yeah. Good deal. Koide, we're kindred spirits. It sounds like you love uh study. I also love to study. Um and uh you're, that's a unique combination, pharmacy and law and uh I'm sure lots of <laughs> lots of time schizophrenic. in the books. <laughs> No, it's it's quite varied. And uh, you could probably work in any setting Um, with between medical and law. You have uh, you have uh, quite a varied level of education. but That's exciting. So I I love to study. I love to go to school. Um, But once our kids got to a certain age that they are now, my wife said, I think um, you need to put your formal education to the side and uh, invest in our kids. So that's that's kind of where we we're at. Tony, before we started recording, could you just share what was it like growing up, Tony, uh, when you were when you were a young kid?
2: My childhood is has been had a profound impact on my life, of course, like all of us. Yeah. Um I grew up in a in a in a family that looked normal from the outside, but on the inside, uh we I, I did experience the chaos of living with an alcoholic father. He was mm. a functioning alcoholic. Uh he had anger problems and um honestly, not very much self-awareness. And so it was a, it was, you know, we lived like a a middle-class family. A lot of what I went through was very hidden and led me to have a a kind of oblivious attitude toward it until I was in my early thirties. So there were, you know, I, I can see it now as that experience, the good and the bad made me into who i am so yeah. i'm grateful for the experience and i'm grateful for the good gifts that my parents did give me yeah. um they gave me what they could uh, but there was a lot of emotional fallout that i've mm. had to deal with over many decades
0: yeah yeah the reason i asked that question is a lot of the people that are listening into this podcast are living and working overseas and and it, we grew I grew up in Wally Ford, West Virginia a small town but then when you you remove from that and you get in an environment you're planting the church or or what your focus is maybe it's business's mission um and all of a sudden the things that we went through in the past all of a sudden are there the enemy comes to kill steal destroy and you're faced mm-hmm. with those so and i think it's it's just valuable to hear that we're we, our stories are unique but the journeys we are on there are other people that have had similar journeys and um i think that yeah it's just valuable to here so thank you for sharing and um and um, just about your past and how you've you've cherished it and used it um as far as going in, into the future we're gonna share a little bit about your book and um before you split find what you really want for the future of your marriage. And um, like I said in the intro, just really appreciated your, your courage and your candidness. And I just, I, I read it on King, Kindle because that's hard for me to get hard copies of books here, um, but lots of <laughs> highlights. And um, so I got more questions than we'll probably get through today, but just looking forward um, to our time together. One of the first ones I want to ask you about is you write that when you're unhappy in marriage, it's common to be confused about where your emotional pain is coming from. Can you share a little bit more about this and and how you've come to that that um that that position?
2: Mhm. Well, I think all of us who've been married for a minute recognize that you can get in the position where your spouse says something or does something that gives rise to an emotional overreaction mm-hmm. and might be a triggering into anger or sadness or fear but you know that triggering that happens in a a split second um i remember uh a, a, a day in particular where carrie and i were uh we're doing our thing when our kids were young they were probably i don't know two and six and uh carrie was outside um mowing the grass and taking care of the the outdoor maintenance and i was making breakfast and making lunch and making a picnic to go out in the afternoon and then of course the kids were inside with me so they're you know i'm i'm parenting at the same time and carrie came in uh finally and said okay are you ready to go (laughs) and you know immediately like i've been juggling all of these different things on my own so i feel i feel defensive yeah and and then it all it takes is an eye roll, right, hmm. and an offhand comment like, oh, typical you always running behind because I wasn't ready yeah um to to flip me into this this heated state where you know all of a sudden i'm I'm saying ridiculous things like who made you the ruler of the universe yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. not in that tone of voice, <laughs> sure,
0: sure. <laughs> Wow, and
2: so it's, um, you know, what has happened is, you know, he's brushed up against the wounding from my past that mm. says, "I'm not enough or mm. less than, of course, at that time, I don't even realize that that's what's going on, yeah, but I think it's it's common to be confused because it's Carrie who's standing in front of me. Mm. It's Carrie who made the provocative statement and, you know, use the body language that was a little less than respectful. Um, and so maybe that was provocative on a level of about a three or four, yeah. but my reaction was an eight or a nine out of 10. Sure. And, and so all of this, just to say that when you have an emotional overreaction, it's important to take a step back and ask, why like mm-hmm. what's underneath that and go digging you now it took a lot of of digging and personal reflection and bringing it before god and asking for the light of christ and going to a christian counselor on my own and us going to marriage counseling to work through the issues that we needed to work through um but it's it's possible to to get there and let's face it it's the process of sanctification yeah right this is the the journey that leads us to become more like Christ yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't feel good it feels like unhappiness right yeah. when when those things when those dynamics are at play
0: hmm. Hmm. that's good. Wow, and uh, I think, like you said, anybody that's been married can identify with one of those situations where it's just uh, brushed up against at the wrong moment, wrong tone of voice, maybe wrong angle uh and that it can it can go different and sideways for sure real quick. You also share um, in the book one one of the things I thought was fascinating. It, it, you mentioned about you you've been a pastor's wife, you've been, you've been involved in ministry, you're a professional, um, and all those things that go in there. And sometimes people would say, "Hey." She's a she's a lawyer. She has pharmacy training. Carrie's a successful pastor. You're pastoring a church, so the odds should be in your favor that you're highly educated, you're self-aware, and so the odds should be stacked in your favor that marriage will go perfectly, or you know, an ideal marriage. Can you just speak to that? You talk about that in the book, um, and I just thought I appreciated the candidness
2: of it. Hmm. Well, it does look like from the outside i mean we're a pastor couple yeah. we have zeal for serving christ you know yeah. that's what led us into ministry and we were both into it wholeheartedly uh and so i think you know we ourselves but also people around us have high expectations sure and and then um because you are in a position of authority at least within the church context uh the potential is there for us to not be as connected as mm. we should be, at least with authentic community. Yeah. It, uh, in our experience, it was several years before we really had friendships that we could um, sink into and let ourselves relax into, you know, and mm. be authentic uh, and not for lack of trying, but that's, it, it's just the the way it worked out. People, um, people saw us as being different. Like wow. my, my neighbor who, didn't realize that Carrie and I were struggling uh, several years into our marriage because we we didn't broadcast it. It wasn't something yeah. that very many people knew about. Um, but there were a, a couple of close couples who did know. Um, but she would say she would vent about her marriage and then she would say, oh, it's different for, for you. You're a pastor's wow. wife. Wow as hmm. if there was something that i couldn't connect with on a human level and hmm. and that just wasn't the reality i mean yeah. we we were struggling deeply uh, and you as you mentioned we'd both gone through law school so you, people would also think well you know they're schooled in conflict yeah. i mean <laughs> why would they not be able to work through the conflict
0: <laughs> for sure we
2: we were schooled in making conflict worse <laughs>
0: oh wow the
2: adversarial part of conflict is what we came into marriage uh, a little too good at Hmm. and the humility part of conflict was the part that we were not so good at yeah um and so and not only that uh, i think what there's a dynamic with pastor couples and missionary couples that uh, are you know, out there on the front lines, working to advance the kingdom of God, yeah you're going to have oppression. The mm. enemy is is going to oppose that, yeah, um and so, you know, there's a quote from c. s. Lewis about the reality of spiritual warfare um actually it it's from the screw tape letters, yeah, where he says, there is an enemy. He seeks my destruction. And Mm. this is war. Wow. And I think that one of the downfalls in our current church culture, I'll just speak overall, not in any particular denominational context. There's the temptation to discount the demonic entirely and just say it's Mm. a vestige of the past.
1: Mm. And
2: then there's the opposite, you know, where there's a demon behind every corner and a demon behind every negative thing that happens sure. uh, and I, I believe that the, the true that, the, that there is an enemy at work um, but we have the responsibility to drill down and seek every wise human solution to a problem before we come to the conclusion that oh maybe this is oppression and sure. you know we need to specifically address spiritual oppression in this case. Yeah. So that part of it is tricky because uh, I I do believe that the more responsibility you are undertaking to advance God's kingdom, the more the enemy is going to do is subtle work to yeah. try to oppose it.
0: That's good. That's good. And the interesting thing is, is, you know, I think is missionaries and I've never been a pastor, but like we do marriage seminars for other people um and i i don't and so you're you're investing in other people's marriages but not necessarily you know we've been on the mission field 20 20 going on 21 years and wow. it was just this past january that we well just this past week that was the first time that there had been something focused for missionaries in marriage and so that's a long time to go without you know some focus on your marriage now you can do it individually but at the same time it's it's a challenge because you're investing in others but not necessarily having your marriage invested in and I really resonate with what you say about the spiritual part of it i you know my wife Heather, and I, when there's conflict with me or maybe there's irritation with her, I realize there's a lot of that is um my spiritual place my relationship with God, there's been a drift in um, my time with him. And my focus with him has not been as intimate um, and maybe as intentional and as has. And so it seems like it's a, uh, so there is, there's a large spiritual part to it, that the enemy, as you said, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And um, he attacks mm-hmm. our marriages, but it's a challenge when you're in a public ministry role, because you feel like you have to have it all together. And uh, who do, who do those people reach out to and in, in challenging times? And so, um, yeah, I think that's, this one of the main things I appreciated about your book, once again, was just your courage mm-hmm. to be open and to, and when you do that with your transparency, it allows people like me who don't have a platform like you do to be able to say, Hey, I'm not unique. Um, this is, this is something common and, um, gives the courage to other people to reach out and say, you know, Hey, this is where I'm at. And, and to seek, like you said, counseling and the different things, um, to grow mm-hmm. um, in their marriage. So I appreciate it very much.
2: Oh thank very, very you. Much. Well that community aspect is so vital. Um in in the be- beginning years of our ministry, um uh, we were too isolated mm. and we were actually completely naive about the reality of spiritual warfare. Um, It wasn't until several years in that we were at a conference on inner healing. Hmm. And it was during that weekend that our eyes were opened fully. And, you know, this isn't just something that we're reading about in the New Testament, but it's not a reality in our lives. We were able to put two and two together and figure out, oh, my goodness, the the worst arguments we have are on a Saturday evening before... Carrie needs to go up and preach on Sunday. And, um, and you know, once our eyes were open, it was, that was a a marker for us in our relationship with God, but in also in our ability to, um, to grow and respond rather than react. Um, but that, that community aspect was so vital because we, we needed to have, other people that we could look to and be honest with, not the people we were ministering to, but hmm. um, people outside our community who we could be honest with, and we could ask questions like, you know, what do we do? Or, yeah. you know, how do we actually pray a spiritual warfare prayer? You know, yeah. we we needed some people in our corner that we could, yeah, that we could gain wisdom from. Mentorship is just so vital.
0: It is. And um, that's one thing I think, you know, be, living on the mission field, the denominational lines seem to fall down because just as you said, you're looking for a community. Sometimes you can't find that within your team, within necessarily the same denomination. So anyway, it, you reach out and uh, you're friends with people, different uh, stages of life, different experiences, um, but the community of Christ is together. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's 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 it's so encouraging. So encouraging mm-hmm. to me. You also write about expectations. This is like one of my favorite subjects to talk about is expectations, expectations and assumptions. And um, what are some realistic expectations uh, about marriage? And um, yeah, you, you share about that in chapter three of your book about what's some real, what are some realistic expectations and maybe some that maybe aren't realistic
2: yeah I mean, there's such a broad variety of expectations oh um I mean, basically, I think there's two categories of expectations when you boil it right down. There's those that are realistic and there's unrealistic mm. and the the realistic ones would be along the line of treating each each other with kindness and respect mm. uh this working toward personal growth and mutual submission wow. um investing in your relationship you know mm-hmm. those very fundamental you know how are we going to be a married couple those expectations are realistic anything that that is in line with wisdom and builds the fabric of your marriage you know, could fall into that category of realistic expectations. Yes. Whereas on the other hand, unrealistic expectations are, are those things that um, are not achievable or lack mm. a grounding in reality yeah. in wisdom or achievability. Mm. And in the end, they'll tear away at the fabric of your relationship. So mm. I think unrealistic expectations would include always having to have the final say, or, okay. um, you know, it, it Assuming control in some way, or things like, you know, expecting that your spouse isn't going to grow and evolve. Yeah. You know, I've heard. I've heard so many times with my my hat as a divorce attorney on. You know, I've heard he's not the same person I married, or she's not the same person I married. Well, guess what? You're not the same person who got <laughs> married either. <laughs>
0: uh, very, very true. Very, very true. Very, and, very true. And
2: the the expectation that you can treat people any way you want, or that your tone, mm. you don't have to watch your tone of voice, you know, all those kinds of things yeah. are can be unrealistic.
0: Do you think we drift towards one or the other? Is the drift towards unrealistic expectations or does that depend on the person or just in your experience?
2: I think if we drift, if we're not intentional, we're going to drift toward unrealistic expectations because okay. we're all human and yeah. we're going to, fight for what we want yeah. and we're going to avoid pain, avoid yeah. personal pain. We're going to try yeah. to point the finger. Um and so I th- I think establishing um common ground around yeah. the area of expectations is is hard work, but it's a labor of love that's well worth it.
1: Yeah.
0: just want to pause for 30 seconds in the middle of this episode to share some exciting news about the book I published, A Caring Life, How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World. It's available now on Amazon and audiobook, Kindle, and print form. And the book helps us recognize that our world is moving in a direction of an uncaring life and helps us reorient towards a caring life where those that are in our life feel valued. They feel known. They know that they belong and they matter. The book, as I said, is is a valuable resource and I believe will help change the trajectory of an uncaring world. It's available now on Amazon so you're you're a divorce attorney somebody comes to you and says hey i want to get a divorce um i don't know what name is is so i'm not thinking of anybody so we'll say Susie. Susie's not Mm -hmm. the same and the person i married or if it's a female johnny is not the same man i married um and you said you shared that you know either are you you've changed also is there other things that we can, questions we can help people understand that they've changed also to, to realize that? Or is it just as simple as saying, you know what, you're not the same person either? Is that is that better as far as? Cl- yeah,
2: I think it comes down to uh, attitudes and beliefs about, uh, about personhood. Good. That's good. Um, you know, I think when Carrie and I were married, we came into our marriage with the at least I'll speak for myself. Okay. Yeah. I entered my marriage with this unspoken belief that my lens and view of the world was the normal one. Hmm. And the, you know, that what what, what I saw from my perspective was normal and where Carrie didn't act that way or didn't, didn't fall into the same, um, uh, belief or wiring that there was something that is just a bit off, yeah. <laughs> just a bit off. Yeah. And, uh and, and I think I, I came, I, I had this belief that, you know, this is the way I am and this yeah. is the way he is and I'm going to continue to act this way and he's going to act that way. And that's how we're wired. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of the, that's the story. Um, but I don't see life at that way anymore. I think if hmm. you're, uh, you are either growing or you are going in the opposite direction in a yeah. sense, yeah, um, as you know, that applies to individuals and institutions and organizations. You're either sure. growing or you're or you're stagnating, but you don't sure. stagnate for too long. If you're really yeah. opposed to growth, you're you're going to suffer the consequences for sure. um, and so this surprise over you're not the person I married shouldn't really be a surprise because we're going to change and evolve one way or the other and Hmm. either you'll be intentional and you will you will grow in a positive way and you'll enter into sanctification and cooperate with it as painful as it is (laughs) (laughs) or you don't but then you you suffer the consequences of being unwise and I think there's a, a kind of Decline that accompanies that, you know, which is also change. So one way or the other, we're going to change. The question is, are you going to cooperate with God and cooperate with the positive change or, you know, is your life going to be subject to entropy that's good. Sense.
0: That's great. You know, my wife and I, when we got married. I was, I had a one year plan, three year plan, five year plan. Every, my life was planned out. And she was more like, Hey, if we know what we're doing tomorrow, you know, life's good. And in 20, 22 years of marriage, is completely flipped. I'm the, I'm just figuring out what I'm going to do tomorrow. And, uh, and she's got the one year, three year, five year plan. But it's interesting <laughs> when you've talked about this, how, how we change, we're not the same person, but it's almost like in our marriage, we flip flopped and uh, we, we joke about it now. Uh, Um, Because I think there was frustration earlier on. I was frustrated with her that. It wasn't a plan. She was frustrated me. There had to be a plan. And then twenty two years later, it's the inverse. So it's just interesting how we influence each other, and uh, things do things do change change over time. The,
2: the pendulum has swung, and now you've you've crossed the center. So it, yeah. at least you understand each other better.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I never would have thought we would have completely switched sides. I mean, we're not sides, <laughs> but just perspectives. Let's say we don't want uh, pit us against each other, but it's um we've completely changed perspectives on life. So, but you're right. We do have compassion on each other more than we had early on, early on. So you mentioned three things, split, survive, or save. Um, And you mentioned that they all involve hard work. Um, Can you share just a little bit about each one of those split survive or save?
2: Sure. I'll give a little bit of context around those three words. So one of my main motivations in writing was to share not only the struggle that Carrie and I went through, but um, even the depth of that struggle. You know, mm. I did reach the point where I wondered whether it was even possible for me to ever be in love with Carrie again. Mm. Um, it was uh, it was that desperate. And I wanted to write to uh, the, the couple who's struggling that deeply, yeah. who's really ambivalent about whether their marriage is going to make it or not. Hmm. And when you're in that place, often people will say, well, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. But re- in reality, there are three options. Okay. There's, there's split, survive and save. Hmm. And so what I mean is, you know, by splitting, that's obvious. Yeah. And if, if anyone who's listening is going through or has gone through a divorce, my heart goes out to you. I don't talk about splitting lightly. Yeah. I know that it's hard and it's complicated and, Uh, I'm for you, regardless of where your your relationship status is right now. Um, Splitting, in my experience as a divorce attorney, often brought unforeseen consequences with Mm. it, unforeseen pain. Mm. So I remember uh, a man who I'd walked through the divorce process with, and when we were signing the final paperwork, he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, if only I'd known then what I know now, I would have worked harder to save my marriage. Wow. And he was a mm. businessman. He had three kids who were at home. Mm. And so he was speaking through his experience that w- what he had originally envisioned his yeah. separation process would look like, it didn't come to fruition that way. There were some serious differences mm. um, that he found to be very painful. Wow. So wow. there's there's splitting. Yeah. Um, there's surviving. And for any anyone who feels like maybe they're surviving in their relationship right now, what I mean by that is you you stay in your relationship, but you feel disconnected. Hmm. And that feeling of emotional disconnection is, is it's a, a very common experience for those of us who've been in marriages for any length of time. Okay. So we can go in and out of seasons of feeling disconnected. Um, what I want to say about that is if, if you find that you're there, don't panic. Okay. Um, but my other word is also do your best to not stay there Okay. Uh, because, you know, our, our marriages can become kind of like a business contract or Hmm. living like roommates, you know, where, as you mentioned, you know, with the busyness of life and everything that you're managing, especially if you're on the mission field, uh, it can become, uh, it can almost seem impossible to nurture that heartfelt relationship in your sure. marriage yeah. um but if we don't do it the the risk is that that emotional pain eventually leaks out in one way yeah. or another and wow. so you know it can show up as anxiety or depression it can mm. show up as um, relying on substances or yeah. prescription medication or not sleeping or overeating, under eating, you know, there's so many different ways that that pain leaks out. Yeah. But what what I'd like to encourage anyone who's listening to this and it's resonating with, um, that you can harness a period of surviving in your marriage as you do the hard work of saving it because there are ways ways to move from that feeling of being disconnected to feeling connected again hmm. and I can say that from experience because Carrie and I had reached the point where honestly I couldn't even stand being in the same room with him hmm. it was hmm. it was a a desperate time um but over the years and by the grace of God and with a, a lot of hard work yeah. uh, and prayer uh, we've reached the point where our marriage is, more, it exceeds anything that I would have anticipated on the hmm. day I was married. I can't believe that I get to be in this marriage right now. And awesome. I have—I n- had no idea back then what I would have been walking away from if I had walked away. Wow, 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 wow. And then the third word, Erin, is save. So what I've just described is that transition of going from surviving to saving your marriage. And yeah. obviously saving is, is where you do stay together and you reach the point where you have authentic um, connection. Yeah. And you feel like you have each other's backs and that um spirit of of fun and excitement even is is there. But yeah. you feel deeply satisfied, like regardless of fun and excitement, you yeah. feel yeah. deeply satisfied in, yeah. in that very core relationship in your life. Hmm. That's good.
0: That's good you know i think one of the things is you were sharing there and the intentionality that it takes to survive i think those are listening in th- that are missionaries i i sum it up this way when when you're living in, on the field um in a different place your hard drive in the united states will be 100% but when you're on the field it's about you you're you're already 20 to 25% is already taken up because you're looking at culture, you're looking at language, you're trying to figure out life, and so there's a certain part of your energy. Like if I go back to the United States, um where I'm home, I have, I'm like, I have this 25% more energy because I know the people, I understand the language, I know how things work, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, you know how not to unintentionally offend somebody. All those things are going on, but then when you get to you're on the field, you're living it. And so that 20 to 25%, maybe that you would have invested in your marriage is taken up by living in a different culture. It's not an excuse, but I'm just, as you said, if it was resonating, I'm just sharing my story uh, with Mm -hmm. those, somebody who's listening in, um, in the audience, that would be somebody over. It it does take extra intentionality and effort and um, recognizing that you might not have as much energy as you had in the United States or wherever your um, country of origin is, passport country, um, but it. We can still we can still make it for sure, but that's um, just it's a true thing. Someone I remember when I landed in Burkina Faso that was our first term in two thousand and four, uh, and the missionary said, "You'll be lucky to function at seventy five percent on your best day." And I thought mm-hmm. that's not what I wanted to hear because you know I like mm-hmm. to function, you know, cook with gas and go hard at all times. But and mm-hmm. she was one hundred percent right. Um, I just mm-hmm. had to accept reality. So. The other oh, thing okay. you so oh, sorry, can go I ahead. throw
2: in something yeah. just about that, that point of, re, uh, of limited energy and the yeah. 20 to 25%. Yeah. So I, I just want to share this to encourage anyone who's listening and feels like they need a stronger connection with their space, yeah. that you, you can do that even if you've, even if your time is actually limited. Hmm. So they, they did a study on uh, shared experiences okay. between couples and the impact it would have on their feeling of closeness. And they found that if you even spend an hour and a half, so mm. just an hour and a half a week, okay, um, f- uh, four times in a row, they mm-hmm. did it weekly, but hey, if you need to make it every other week or whatever, sure. um, however you would make it work, an hour and a half doing something that is is just a novel experience for the two of you. So novel can be anything that both of you are interested in, whether that's, you know, watching something that you haven't watched before, like virtually touring a museum you've never seen, or cooking a style that you've never cooked before. Just something novel. I don't know. Learn how to dance. Do something that's novel. And, and, and it stretches you to grow. When you share those experiences, the research has shown that couples, feel closer to each other and feel more excited about their relationship. So if you add an element of growth into what you share together, mm-hmm. uh, that can have a very positive impact.
0: Very cool. Very insightful. Virtual tours of museums. I've never heard, is is that something we can do? Virtual tours of museums?
2: Mm-hmm. They started yeah. it during during the pandemic. I mean, I'm sure they started it before and I just wasn't aware, <laughs> but yes. Yes.
0: Very cool, because that's something I could do from Nairobi, Kenya. That's that is uh, that is really really insightful, Tony. You also shared in that interweaving of split, survive, and save um, about the pain and how that can also it can be on the maybe the couple, but also on the children. And on the podcast, we've done a a few different um, interviews on adverse childhood experiences and how that impacts missionary kids, and then how that. Impacts their life as adults. Um, can you share about how conflict in in a marriage impacts um, children at, at home, and maybe if they're not still still at home?
2: Mm-hmm. Conflict impacts your kids more than you realize hmm. because they're very intuitive, and even when you think that you're separating them from the conflict that's going on between the two of you, you're probably not really. Uh, Kids will are very, very sensitive and they pick up on what's going on. So unless, I mean, if you, if you leave your home and argue and come back, well then granted, they probably haven't picked up anything, but often we make the mistake of thinking that our kids are asleep in bed and they're not really asleep. Yeah. Um, one of the dynamics that I would see through my divorce law practice um, was this, this tug, this tug of loyalties, hmm. where each parent, you know, when they're and right, I realized that I'm talking about parents who are going through a marital breakdown. So they are very highly emotional, yeah. and their conflict tends to, to escalate around the time of um divorcing
1: um
2: so uh, so kids often feel like they're in the middle and that they you know dad is dad wants them to side with him and mom wants them to side with her and when a child feels that kind of loyalty conflict it it reduces the space and the safety that they have to live their own childhood Hmm it essentially steals away their childhood wow. um it's sometimes i i'm so i'm giving you the more extreme version but sure. there there can be more subtle versions of this dynamic if there's tension in the home or if there's been uh an unsettled period and there's unresolved conflict um there can still be a form of this in that if parents vent about the other parent, or vent okay. about the conflict, or how they're feeling um, hmm. with their kids, uh, and there's a very human thing to do. Sure. I'm, so I'm not saying this with any degree of judgment or sure. or blame. Really, as I'm just saying it as a means of increasing the awareness yeah. of how exactly you're responding to what's going on in your marriage in front of your kids. Hmm um you always want your kids to have the security of knowing that you that both of you are for your child and that mom wants dad to have a strong beautiful relationship with their child and dad okay. wants mom to have a strong and beautiful relationship with their child and that that is safe and protected regardless of what dynamics are going on or what yeah. season of marriage this might be yeah wow. so it's always it always comes back to ensuring that what you're saying and doing in front of your kids really demonstrates that you believe that uh, you believe that both of you are important yeah. in your child's life.
0: Yeah and i can see that playing out you you talked a little earlier about the idea of having that community and um if you're you move to a different culture and you, you don't have a community yet and you don't have maybe extended family around you um it would it might be a natural tendency then to try to vent or share to somebody and if your kids are there then it could ache you could see that naturally happening. Um, As you said, not with nefarious intentions. Um, At the same time, it could, it could, it could definitely happen. And so thank you for the, so what are some things if parents, what are some proper ways that should they share with their kids and talk? If there is conflict, should they talk with their kids through that? Hey, that they saw their parents were having an argument or should they pretend like it didn't happen? Or what are some Mm -hmm. steps inevitably there's going to be, you know, as a parent, you might have a disagreement. Yeah. Does that make, is that a, is that a fair question?
2: Oh, for sure. And (laughs) uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned pretend it didn't happen Yeah, uh, because kids are so aware, like they, they know that there's an elephant in the room. And I, I know that within parenting circles, you know, I've heard parents express their reservation about apologizing to their kids, for example, because it might, um, the feeling is they might, it, it might threaten their credibility or their authority as a parent. But in all honesty, if you have stepped over the line and been disrespectful to your husband or wife, and your kids have witnessed it, or overheard it, Um, I think the best thing you can do is have a family meeting, everyone Mm. there at the same time, allow your kids to, um, to talk or express their feelings if they want to not a forced way, but give them the opportunity, apologize in person, take the, take the, the humble road, Uh, make an authentic apology, Mm. not just sorry, but I'm sorry for doing X Hmm. And this is why I'm sorry. Hmm. (laughs) So uh, I think having a family meeting to clear the air is just so very vital. I think our kids need to see that we are we're humans. We make mistakes, but we own the mistakes and we gather meaning from it and we try to do better the next time.
0: Yeah, it's good. That's good. I remember we rate 2020. We were trying to come back. We were moving to Nairobi. There's a long series of events. We were in um, Fairmont, West Virginia. We were going to visit my sister, but we really began to realize we thought we all had COVID and um, we were trying to make a decision. And I was, being the medical guy, I'm trying to figure, do we get tested? Do we not get tested? Do we want to know? Do, is it better not to know all these type things? And I lost my cool. Um, it was, it was not the, uh, poster fam- family, um, our father moment for me. Um, mm-hmm. but it was in, as you said, it, I, I don't know, my kids would have been two years younger, so 16 and 14 at the time. And um, mm-hmm. just did, did, like you said, I couldn't ignore it um, at the same time because it was evident to everybody. But then mm-hmm. did I, I think it came down, did I have the courage to apologize? And did I, you know, what was I going to model? Ultimately I did. And we can laugh about it together now as a family of the day that dad, dad um, just didn't, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, what mm. test to get. Do I want the antigen test? Do I want the PCR test? Do I want this? Do I want a rapid test? All <laughs> these things. It was like all these decisions. And um, yeah. anyway, but when you were talking, that's what it, it made me think. But as our kids get older, you know, they, it, we have the the option to model it or um, as, you, as I said, ignore it. And um, anyway, that was one day that I got it wrong and then not so got it right, but then eventually got it. We all got it worked out and uh, we can laugh laugh together as a family about it. So one of our COVID moments. So
2: oh, I'm glad to hear you got through it.
0: We did. We did. And
2: you had the courage to apologize. It's not easy. You You know, you face the internal resistance, of course, you know, we all like I've certainly had to swallow my pride um, to squeak out an apology. But, you know, whatever you can do to be honest and take responsibility and show that you also are on this journey with God, you know, you're trying to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly. Um, got to carry it out into our apologies too. (laughs)
0: There you go. It's easy to say, but man, when it comes down and it's easy to say that other people should do it, but when it's you, um, that's where it becomes, that's where it becomes challenging.
2: Absolutely.
0: Tony, it has been an honor to spend some time with you today. Um, I thank you for your wisdom and your insight and your encouragement for those listening in for, for parents and in marriages. Uh, Would you pray for us today, whatever direction you'd like to pray and we'll close out the podcast in prayer.
2: Sure. Dear God, we come before you and just thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you for your outrageous love, for the power you offer us. Thank you for your steadfastness and your kindness to us. God, I pray for each person listening that you would provide in every way, everything they need. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. Uh, do the, the deep work in us, Lord. Please shine the light of Christ in us and bring about healing where it's needed for every couple. Bring peace into families and bring glory to your name, Lord Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name.